Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Optics. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Thursday, June 24th, 2021 is optics. Optics. What does that mean to you? I want to tell you what it means to me when I think of the word optics. I spent my entire career trying to maximize the optics, make people see things in a certain way, sometimes the way I saw it, sometimes the way I didn't see it, but I wanted you to see it. Optics, it is manipulating a situation to the benefit of yourself in order for other people to believe something is true with reckless indifference toward whether it's actually true. Optically speaking, I believe that day follows night. That's not optics. That's actual. That's just the time continuum. Optically speaking, we are going to take one bus to the ballpark, but we're not going to talk on the bus because we all hate each other. But optically, you will think we're all one big happy family. Optically, in your relationship, you don't want to fight in front of your kids or your friends. You want everyone to think that your relationship's good and perfect. Optics. You are trying to manipulate what people think about you, even though you know that's not the case. In baseball, optics are when you are trying not to let your opponent know your weakness. You are trying to manipulate your opponent into being intimidated by your perceived strengths, when in fact, they may not be strengths at all. When you are the commissioner of baseball, you live with optics. You die with optics. Everything that you do every day is optics. Whose hand do you shake when you get to a ballpark? Who do you sit with in your suite when you go to jewel events? Who are you next to when the camera is on you and you are told by the network when the camera will be on you? Who do you sit with when you go to a dinner or a charity event? In what order do you thank people when you give a speech, when you've been inducted into a club? It's optics. The commissioner was asked to describe how things are going with sticky substances. He gave an interview. The way it works, I, I got to do a side note here, Coca. I want to tell you how this happens. When you want to interview the commissioner, you have to call his head of PR, which is someone named, who is someone named Pat Courtney. And you do not call the commissioner directly. And if you do reach the commissioner directly, and this was the case for every team owner, every team president, if someone calls me directly and I say, yes, my PR guy is going to be pissed 
because the PR guy wants to be the sounding board into who you're talking to when, in what order, what information are you releasing? What is the purpose of the interview? And if writers call you directly, they have a chance to catch you at a weak moment where you say something, even when you think something's off the record, it's not off the record, it's on the record. You can say this is off the record. It's sort of off the record, but it's really on the record. It may not be in that record, but it's still in the head of the person who heard it, even though it was off the record. The rule of thumb is when you've got a microphone in front of you, you are on the record. When you are speaking to a reporter, you are on the record. We told our players and owner and executives, you are on the record 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because everyone with a cell phone, everybody is now a reporter. So you're on the record. So you call and you want an appointment to talk with the commissioner. The commissioner says, let me get back to you. Calls up his head of PR and says, we have an opportunity to do an interview with The Athletic or with CBS or with whichever, MLB.com. How do they decide who they talk to? I want to give you a little insight into this. When you see any article on MLB.com, it's meaningless. It's a Homer article. It is manufactured and it is agreed upon by owners and the commissioner's office. They will tell you MLB.com is independent, but it's not. They will tell you that MLB Network is independent, but it's not. MLB and the owners and the commissioner do nothing but monitor MLB.com, which is why when you want, it drove me crazy as a team president. I want people going to Marlins.com to get the up to the second news. I want to break news on it. But no one does it because MLB.com won't go with a story that I want them to go with at the time I want them to go with it because they need to be proper and corporate. And when there's a truly negative thing going on, you don't go to MLB.com. You go to another, you go to CBSSports.com or Yahoo or ESPN because you want really what's happening, not what you're being told is happening by insiders. So when the commissioner has something to talk about, but he wants it to be in a certain way, and he wants to be very clear on a certain point, he will do an interview on MLB.com. When he wants to venture out a little bit more, he'll go to the broadcast partners, Fox and ESPN, not owned by baseball, but they have a vested interest in baseball because they're broadcast partners. When he's got an out of control situation, He's got to go outside of those platforms, which is why he gave this interview to The Athletic, because they are completely independent from baseball. And the commissioner had to be out there because he's been accused of not being the face of this, not being the voice of this, not explaining what's going on. So he had to grant this interview and he was not properly prepared. And I was angry. Because when we elected Rob Manford to be commissioner, one of the things that he had not done you know, he's big time labor lawyer, unbelievable at negotiating, a, a great person, loves baseball. Everything about him is perfect, just didn't have a huge amount of media experience. And so one of the things we talked about is, hey, we got to get him out there in the media. We got to properly coach him. And I think what you've seen over the couple of years, it's getting better, but there've been some media missteps and don't judge him for that. It's super hard to be in front of the media and to have a microphone in front of your face every single day. I promise you it is. So when you're going to give an interview like he gave about sticky substances, you better be ready with how you're going to respond to, hey, Sergio Romo pulled his pants down. Hey, Max Scherzer had an absolute temper tantrum. 
How do you react to this? Managers are angry. GMs are angry. Players are angry. That is the obvious first question. When someone's meeting the media, you give a list of Q&A. You prepare for that. I was helpful for that when Rob was being elected. Here's the questions you are going to be asked by the media when you are named commissioner. Here's some of the things you have to think about as you're talking to the media. This is real that people prepare for. The first thing Rob is asked about are the first two days. And the first line he said, my view is the first two days have gone very well. And that's it. He's now wrote the headline. He has written the headline. Did I just say he has wrote Coca? How, how did that even come out of my mouth? He has written the headline and he didn't mean to. When you are in the media and you want to have a headline, you create that headline. You know you're creating the headline. You basically say what you want the headline to be with the way you articulate and enunciate. And when you say what you're going to say, and you have an idea with experience of what the headline is going to be. With Rob, he must not have realized that that was going to be his headline, which is my view is the first two days have gone very well, because the next question is, what are you looking at? How can that be that you think things are going well? What he should have said is, while I understand there will be and have been bumps in the road that are embarrassing to us as an industry, I remain steadfast in my belief that we have made the right decision in conjunction with the players union to eliminate foreign substances. That's the sentence. You have to get out there that you are in conjunction with the union. You have to get out there that you understand exactly how embarrassing and ridiculous it is. You understand that Mike Rizzo calling out Joe Girardi, which we're going to talk about why that's bad for the game. You acknowledge what's wrong and then you say what's right. When you don't acknowledge what is so obvious to everyone, you end up looking like a fool. And I don't like it when Commissioner Manfred looks like a fool. He then went on. He was asked about Mike Rizzo's comments directly. Mike Rizzo is the president of baseball operations for the Washington Nationals, the World Series champion Washington Nationals. They won it in 2019. He hired Dave Martinez as his manager, has been through a couple managers, has been there for a while. Through the change of power from Ted Lerner to his son, Mark, who's the current managing control partner, managing general partner of the Washington Nationals. Rizzo was so angry with the Phillies that Rizzo called out Joe Girardi. Do you remember from yesterday's show? Coca, did we talk about it on yesterday's show? I cannot remember. I think that was here and yesterday where we talked about the fact that Joe Girardi called out Max Scherzer and was absolutely embarrassing how Girardi did it, why he did it. He shouldn't have done it. So cut to Mike Rizzo says, don't ask me about Joe Girardi because I'll tell you, here are the optics of Joe Girardi. He's a con artist. It's not good when you've got a, one team's GM. If my GM said that about another team's manager, I would go talk to him because I, I'd rather do that than have the GM do it. I'd rather take that heat because the commissioner is going to be unhappy. And I had the commissioner unhappy with me so many times, whether it was Steele or Manford, that it didn't matter to me. I'm happy to take every sort of bad, bad call from the commissioner. No problem. I don't want my GM to be doing that. And I certainly don't need Mike Rizzo to be calling Joe Girardi a con artist. However true it may be, and believe me, 
it is true. Joe Girardi has done a great job of conning people into giving him jobs as a manager. Got a job with the Marlins and the Yankees, now the Phillies. He's got a World Series under his belt, which is as many as I have as a president. He has as a manager. So he does something right with those New York Yankees. But the reality is that what Joe Girardi does is he manipulates a situation to his benefit in any way possible, whether it's making sure that certain coaches get hired, making sure that certain players are on the team, making sure that he's involved in things that he shouldn't be involved in from sales and marketing to on-field personnel to all sorts of things. That's why we just didn't get along with him as manager, you know, 15 years ago. We just couldn't handle a manager who was so busy doing all the other things in his mind that he was good at doing, but it was just a con. He wasn't good at any of them. And what Rizzo is saying is that a con artist is someone who pretends there's something they're not for the purpose of you believing that they're better than they are or cooler than they are or more handsome than they are or richer than they are because it's all about optics. Just think about that for one second, what I'm saying to you right now. Everything that managers do is for optics, both within their clubhouse and for the general public and for the owner. Everything that GMs do, everything they say, you think Mike Rizzo didn't know what he was saying when he called Joe Girardi a Conrad's? You think he just lost his mind? No, we don't do that when we run a team. We know exactly what we're doing if we're good at what we do. It was all for the optics to let his team know, meaning Max Scherzer and the rest of the Nationals, I've got your back. It was a great move by Mike Rizzo to call Joe Girardi a con artist because you've got the Nationals who are fighting with the Phillies. The Nationals are now ahead of the Phillies in the NL East. They're, I think they've worked their way all the way up to second place, but I could be wrong. I haven't looked at the standings today. And when I looked last night, I was not truly able to pay attention. Where are they, Coca? Are the Nationals in second place just behind the Mets? Because they were close to last place. So they're second about four games back. So Rizzo had no choice in my mind and did the right thing by saying, hey, listen, whatever the Phillies are doing, they're doing it wrong. And they're trying to impugn my best pitcher and my team. And I'm not going to let it happen. So Rob Manford, during his interview with The Athletic, was asked about Mike Rizzo's comments. And again, he was not properly prepared or trained for what he needed to say when it Asked about Rizzo's comments, calling Joe Girardi a con artist and calling what's going on with all the sticky substances, embarrassing for baseball, et cetera. He said, I'm not going to I'm not going to respond to Mike Rizzo's comments, which I find to be intemperate. I'm not going to get into that. Eh. That's a family feud. Eh. That's the ex and family feud. Do they still do that on the new family feud? When you're asked about something regarding your team your league and something that someone did, even though it's a level below owners, and obviously you report to owners, owners hire you and they can fire you. You've got to show leadership when asked. So here's my answer. What do you think about Mike Rizzo saying it's embarrassing for baseball and for the commissioner, everything that's going on for the Phillies, for the Nats, what Joe Girardi did, he's a con artist. Well, I appreciate you asking me that. I do not believe that Mike Rizzo was in a position to truly tell you what he was feeling because of the emotions of that evening and the emotions of the game and the emotions of the Nationals and the situation they find themselves in 70 games into the season. 
if you asked a more calm Mike Rizzo about what is happening with sticky substances, he would tell you what he has told me that we have discussed as a league that getting rid of the competitive advantage that some pitchers are having over others is going to be good for the game overall. And that is the object of these new rules. Do we have it exactly perfectly? Of course we don't. But we are going to have this evolve over time and come next season, we are going to have a fully baked set of rules, regulations with a universal substance so everyone will be on a level playing field. That's how I'd answer the question about what Mike Rizzo said. Then the third question comes up. I mean, I, I just I'm, I'm sorry to spend so much time on this, Coca, but I'm, I'm upset because it, it what happens here is that the narrative that baseball doesn't know what it's doing. Baseball's not in touch. The commissioner hates baseball. All that narrative, which I don't believe to be true in any way, shape, or form, that narrative gets buttressed by these types of interviews and these answers that leaves him absolutely naked to this criticism. So I just want to be helpful. Not that I want to work for you, because I don't. I just want to be helpful. So the question was asked about the plan, doing it mid-season, union involvement. And he got really technical and he got really pissy. And the commissioner said the union had every opportunity to talk and be heard and they knew exactly what was happening. That's just collective bargaining posturing, Rob. When you're asked a question about what role the union played, what role the players played, I've got a better answer. Ready for it? It is very important for me as commissioner to have buy-in from the players, both position players and pitchers, as we try to make this game better. As we try to grow this game, which will inure to the benefit of owners and players alike, working together to find a way to make it fair and interesting and exciting is a goal that we all share. And I will continue to work with the players and the players union and the owners to do what is my main job. And that is to keep improving baseball on the field and growing baseball off the field. That's how you answer the question. It couldn't be easier. It, it, it simply couldn't be. Maybe one day, Coca. Maybe one day. I just don't know. All right, I want to uh, I want to go to break now. I want to go to an early break, Coke, if that's okay, because there's some stuff after the break that we have to get to. So you want to talk to Samson, and I want to review a movie that's going to take me a minute or two to really digest with the audience. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you so much for rating, reviewing, following, subscribing to Nothing Personal. I want to give a shout out to uh, Florida, Miami. There's a tragedy going on where at least one person has died with a building collapse today on North Miami Beach in the 80s on Collins Avenue. Carpe diem, folks. You just don't know what's going to happen on any particular day. Sagupin Ang Ara. That's Filipino for carpe diem. It's actually a favorite tattoo of mine because I filmed Survivor in the Philippines. And so I put Sagupin Ang Ara on my thigh because I live by Carpe Diem, Seize the Day, but I wanted it to be in the language where I'd film Survivor. And the reason why you have to Carpe Diem or Sagopinanga Raw is that you just don't know when things are going to collapse around you. And there is no counting. There is no accounting for random chance, choice, and tragedy. So if you can avoid it, do something good today. One thing that I do every day is I like to watch a movie. That is my, it's my happy place. It's my work because I do this for a living and I review movies every day, whether it's on a Levitard show once a week, but more importantly here on Nothing Personal with you every day, a movie or a TV show. I watched a movie yesterday that fascinated me and it was an old movie that I'd never heard of. And I'm not sure how algorithms work. I will acknowledge that I've got strengths and I've got weaknesses. I don't know how Facebook knows what I want to buy. I don't know how Instagram knows what I want to buy and who I'm interested in and who I know who I don't know. I really don't know how to do it. I can't write code. I can only press buy when they tell me something to buy that I don't need, but I look like I may need it. So I say I need it and then I get it. And nine out of 10 times, it's not what I thought. And then it comes and there's nothing I can do because I already bought it. And once you buy one, you're going to buy 10. So somehow I'm on Amazon, which of course is, has their hands so far up my tuchus. They are literally, their fingers are in my arms as they play me as a puppet on a daily basis. That's how well they know me. This movie called Life Itself was a movie that I was told to watch. I, I don't know how. Do they know I love Olivia Wilde? Do they know I'm waiting for Ted Lasso on July 23rd and that her ex-partner is Jason Sudeikis? I, I just don't know. Do they know that Oscar Isaac is one of my favorite actors and that I'd never heard of this movie before? Do they know that I keep a list of every movie that I've seen on my phone for the past two years and I have no way of knowing that are they looking to see that life itself is not on it? How in the hell do they know it, Coca? Life itself is a movie. Antonio Banderas, who, who doesn't love Antonio Banderas talking in Spanish? It's a movie about the intersection of people in Spain and in the United States. It's a multi-generational movie. It's a movie about tragedy. It's a movie that has Inigo Montoya in it, Mandy Patinkin. 
Gene Smart is in it for a hot sec. Who feels like she's been in everything. Once I saw her in Mayor of Easttown, it feels like she's in everything these days. It got panned, I'm afraid, but not by me. I found it to be quite compelling, quite emotional. And it may have caught me on a day where I was emotional to begin with, which doesn't happen every day, but it was happening yesterday. And what the movie's basically about is someone who dies. And then there's another death. Can you spoil a movie that's over three years old, Coca? I don't think you can. I don't think that's a spoiler alert. There's just death. And then as part of death, there's life and what people do with that life. And then there's the intersection of people in death and in life. And it's done in a way that totally shocked me in every way. So ignore any critics who say it's not good and ignore the fact that Annette Benning is now old enough to be a therapist instead of the sexy lead or the interesting female lead. Life goes on, right? Time passes. It's called life itself. I promise you the juice will be worth the squeeze. Okay, Coca, play it. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. I told you I'd get to this today. I said that yesterday because I couldn't get to it yesterday, but I was going to make sure to get to it today. So you want to talk to Samson. So I have this Twitter account and it's David P. Samson. And the object is to follow and then to get into DMs and ask a question. And every once in a while, I'll do a question either at the end of month mailbag, which I also take questions from your Apple reviews. That's mostly where I get the mailbag questions from. But the daily So You Want to Talk to Samson's come from Twitter. David P. Samson, put me on hold, press pause, start a Twitter account and hit follow. All right, are you back? All right, now press pause. After you go to YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson, hit subscribe. Are you back? Okay. Hey, David, big fan of the podcast. Hello. What do front offices do with a guy like Brian Buxton or Mondesi of the Royals? Great talents, can't stay healthy. Do most front offices ride it out hoping for health? Or do they wish to trade them the moment they can stay healthy to get rid of risk? I'm really appreciative that you asked that question. I don't believe that's a topic I've covered on a mailbag or a previous nothing personal. And I've certainly talked about injuries. I've certainly talked about risk. I've talked about the cost benefit, the risk reward of signing young players versus established players, how to value a player, the fact that players have to be marked to market. So you are not paying them for performance that they used to give, but paying them for performance they are giving. I've talked to you how we have tried every which way but loose. By the way, Scott Eastwood was just in a movie that I watched, and I can't remember which one. And I realized that Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood, is growing into be Clint Eastwood because I remember Clint Eastwood from his movies, but Clint Eastwood now looks like Clint Eastwood's grandfather, and Scott Eastwood looks like Clint Eastwood that I remember. I think he was in Wrath of Man that I reviewed the other day. I have no idea that was just in my head. What the hell were we just talking about, Coca? I cannot remember where we are in the show. 
All right, let me check the document. Stay with me, folks. Here we go. Ah, thank you. So you want to talk to Samson? I'm sorry, Matthew. It is a small miracle that we can do 45 minutes a day. At some point, they're going to require us to edit the show, right? Nope. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Okay. So I was, I'm talking about injuries in the So You Want to Talk to Samson question. Do most front offices ride out injuries hoping for health? So when we have a player, we get, and I've told you this, an injury report. And on the injury report, it says what's wrong with the player. And we get them at every minor league level. So every trainer at every level of minor league baseball has to fill out a report after every game and even on off days. And the report is really a copy and paste once you do the original. Some players come off the report, some come on the report. When someone's on the DL for 60 days, they're on the report every day for those 60 days. And it's just a topic, paste, copy, paste, day 42 of DL. Day 43 of DL is the next day, continuing to work, progress being made, status out, not available. So some players, their status is questionable, may be available, doubtful, hamstring, worked, ran, ran pole to pole three times, no tightness. They give a description. Totally common, unless you're the Padres, to have injury reports like this. And what do you do when you are a president of a team and you are deciding how to allocate your money? Because what your question is, is about money allocation. Who deserves your payroll before, during, or after the peak of their performance? Think about what we're saying. There are players that you can sign really young who have not played yet, who have not been good yet, and you want to pay them before their peak performance because you believe by paying them before their peak performance, like Acuna, let's say, who they signed, that there's a chance he can outperform his contract. And when you've got enough players outperforming your contract, no matter what your payroll is, you're going to win. The second one is during their peak performance. I'm all in on that. Pay someone for what they're doing for you right now, not for what they did, not for what they're going to do. Pay them for right now. Past their performance. That's the nightmare, right? That's when you're paying someone on a long-term deal and they can't perform because they got old. They stopped doing steroids. They stopped doing greens. They stopped doing whiteies, blueies, pinkies. They stopped using substances or they just got hurt or they just had a run and the run is now over, but you're still paying them guaranteed money before, during, or after. You don't want to pay someone after their peak performance. The question is, how do you know? How can you judge whether someone is during or after. Injuries are a huge variable that every baseball executive thinks that they're smart enough to manage and not one of them, us, can. Talk about Giancarlo Stanton. We always had a feeling Giancarlo Stanton had injury issues because it was never the same injury. He just was tight. When you have a body like Adonis, you're going to be tight. You're going to have some musculature issues. Sometimes you have bad luck where you get hit in the face. Sometimes your hamstring blows because you're lifting too much or you're not running enough or you're running too much. The point is when you've got a player with 20 different injuries, is that player injury prone enough that you wouldn't sign him? 
Nah, of course we signed Stanton because you want to believe that the next injury is the last injury. Then there's some players who injure the same thing over and over elbow, shoulder, knee. Those players you stay away from. Because when you have the same injury multiple times, that is a concern of interest, an area of interest where your risk reward calculus is going to be off. There's always the chance when someone has 20 different injuries that the 20th will be the last one. So how come it doesn't work that way? How come Byron Buxton, who's been in the league, he was supposed to be, was he the top pick in the draft, the number one pick? I'm not thinking straight because it's Friday, but I believe that he may have been number one, one, but I could be wrong about that, Coca. And he barely plays, right? He's just had injury upon injury. So would the twins be wise to sign him or should they trade him? He was second, Coca. Thank you. Second overall back. Oh God, that's nine years ago. Who was first in that draft, Coca? That's the draft when we were starting in the new ballpark, 2012. I'm trying to remember who we would have drafted in 2012. Probably a pitcher, probably a pitcher who didn't make it. We had a run back then because that wasn't, um, I can't remember who we drafted. Carlos Correa. That was part of the Astros tanking, Coca. He's still playing. He's a good player. Who did the Marlins take that year? He's telling me right now. I can't hear you. We're off. Andrew Heaney. He's still pitching too. That's actually a good pick. We traded Andrew Heaney to the Dodgers uh, for D Gordon and Dan Heron. And then they traded him to the angels for Howie Kendrick. And Andrew Heaney has been on the angels ever since he's even had a few opening day starts. He's supposed to lead that angels rotation, even though Otani's now the better pitcher and Heaney's fine. He's the guy who sold out his future earnings to get current day money. We've talked about him on the show. That's a successful pick there, Coca. Do you realize that? Okay, back to the injury. So why would the Twins not sign Buxton? Because after six years or seven years, you say to yourself, hey, listen, I think the 20th injury has begot the 21st injury, which becomes the 22nd injury. It's the same thing with Stanton now. With the Yankees, his reputation has changed where it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that he's not injury prone. He's now always injured. So when he's not on the IL, it's looked at as somewhat of an anomaly. Even though we have a wait to see right now that Stanton will not go on the IL again this year, the fact of the matter is that Stanton, when he gets hurt, the New York papers absolutely crush him as a player who never stays on the field. So when you ask whether most front offices are going to ride out a player like that, when you've got the talent of a Buxton or a Stanton, you're damn right you're going to ride it out because on the hope that the 20th is the 20th. Injury, that is. What we used to do with players who had the same injury over and over, those are the ones you trade once they show health. And so I want to differentiate when I answer your question. Because when it's the same injury and you know they've got an elbow issue, pitcher with a shoulder issue, degenerative hip issue, a position player, something where you are concerned that they will not be able to perform because of that singular injury. Not that they won't be able to perform because it's a new injury every day. It's that they can't perform because of the same injury that keeps happening. When you see that, when that player is showing health for a small period of time, my view always was, Trade them now 
because he's going to hurt that part of the body again. And when he does, we're stuck. So it's not about selling high like you asked in your question. It's not about trying to wish a player away. Everything in baseball, when you're putting your team together, everything is solely based on risk calculations, costs and benefits of every single move that we make. Injuries are the hardest thing to predict by far. I appreciate your question. I really do. That was a good one. Thank you. All right. Ooh, nothing personal. Pick of the day. Did you watch Trevor Bauer? You didn't stay up, did you? Do you know the Padres swept the Dodgers for the first time since 2010? I may have read that, but I may have read that in the middle of the night on Ambien, so I may not have gotten that right. But I think that's what I heard. We are 84 and 63 as the... uh, Do you think, Coke, every time I learn a new fact by reading that I forget an old fact that I had read, which is why I can't remember what I've talked about on a previous show, which is why if you ask me what happened on today's Levitard show or today's Nothing Personal or yesterday's Nothing Personal, I won't remember a thing after it's done because I go into this trance, which is why I can never remember where I'm going when I do these side sort of things where you say, land the plane and you're yelling in my ear and I can't land the plane because I don't know where I am. Nothing personal pick of the day. Fooled you. 84 and 63. Padres beat the Dodgers. Trevor Bauer's fine. Fine. He's fine. Is he the number one pitcher in all of baseball? NEC. Not even close. Is he the number one paid pitcher in all of baseball? D-R-H-I. Damn right he is. But we knew he'd lose. We're 84 and 63. We're going back to basketball. I still am. What's the word? I'm searching for it. It's right here. Right in the tongue. I am. I don't even know why I was thinking of what I'm thinking of because now I can't think of it at all because I'm totally distracted by looking at something in this room where I am right now that's in the background. I'm actually looking at a picture of Muhammad Ali and that is now in my head and I don't know why. Coca, please help me for the love of God I'm asking. Oh, the Clippers. Thank you. God, I'm sorry, folks. I'm not really sorry. It's nothing personal. No, the show's not done because I didn't say it's just business. We still have like 10 minutes. I got more to talk about. We got to talk about the Clippers and the Hawks and the Bucks. I just want to be very quick about this, Coca. I know we didn't talk about this pregame, but I'm watching Trey Young go 48 points. I'm watching this happen. I'm watching this young guy carry a Hawks team to another road one victory, reminding me of my great Nick team in 1999 when they went all the way to the finals, winning on the road as like a number eight or seven seed. They were such a low seed that year, and they found a way to make it to the finals where Patrick Ewing got hurt and we got our ass kicked by the San Antonio Spurs. I'm not sure anyone remembers that, but that was 22 years ago. If you're from New York, you sure as hell remember that. Patrick got hurt. That was the year that I thought we could make up for losing in 94. We were such a surprise and the Knicks just couldn't do it. So the Hawks are in a place they've never been. Trey Young is doing things that you don't see too often. And I'm thinking about the 2018 draft and Trey Young and Luka Doncic and the fact that they were traded for each other. And what I'm thinking to myself is if I'm in the front office and I'm trading and I draft Trey Young and trade him to the Hawks in order to get back Luka, That's a trade where everybody won, except the Hawks now have recency bias because the Mavericks keep keep getting eliminated by the Clippers, but the Hawks continue to advance. Does that mean that Trey Young is better than Luka? No, no. 
As a matter of fact, Coke, I got to do a quick wait to see as I'm doing nothing personal pick of the day. I'm combining things here, Coke. I truly am. The Mavs and Luca are going to win a ring before the Hawks and Trey Young. Wait to see. And that's not a really good way to see, given that the Hawks are now up one nothing in the conference finals. They're seven games away from winning a ring. I don't think the Hawks win the ring this year. And I think the Mavericks, even though Cuban is difficult, I think Luca carries a team to a title before Trey, to the actual title. But don't get me wrong. Trey is unbelievable to watch. Unbelievable. But tonight we get to watch the Clippers. We nailed that game two days ago. Now we're back in L.A. The Clippers are in a familiar spot. They're plus one at home. We're taking them. The Suns aren't going to go up 3 nothing. The Suns are a better team, but they're not going to go up 3 nothing. Clippers plus one is the nothing personal pick of the day. You've got the wait to see. And now I get to finish the show on a topic that I really do want to talk about. That is very interesting. And I think you will find fascinating in the world of business. Did you read what the NFL is doing? The NFL has hired a firm called Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs is an investment banking firm. They are looked at as the greedy corporate devil by many of you, but the fact is that they create money. They create jobs. They create marketplaces. They are playing chess while the rest of you are playing checkers, and I'm included in that. The closest I could get to working at Goldman Sachs is working at Morgan Stanley, which I used to think was equal, and it may even be better than Goldman Sachs. But these investment banks are hired. Why they're hired? because they're hired by companies to try to get more money for something that a company is selling or to get something that a company wants to buy for less money. So you hire an investment bank to help you, to help you do due diligence, to help you identify buyers or sellers. And I view all of that as absolute horse hockey. Why? Because I have a universe. It's like why I didn't hire an investment bank to sell the Marlins. All I had to do was get a microphone and say, the Marlins are for sale. And then people are going to start calling and I'm going to call a few people I know and say, hey, you've always wanted to buy a team. Now you can buy a team. There's not like someone's going to come out of the woodwork. It's not like there's some individual in some place that God knows where on this earth who's got God knows how many kajillions of dollars who will say, ooh, the Marlins and baseball are for sale. I didn't know that. Thank God you hired Goldman Sachs. Now I know I'll make an offer. It doesn't work that way. The NFL has hired Goldman Sachs because they want to sell part of their media assets, NFL.com, the Red Zone Channel, the NFL Network. And they hired Goldman Sachs because they want to have someone represent them as they try to get bids or identify possible bidders because the bidders for these networks are not just necessarily CBS, NBC, and ABC the way it used to be. As you know, there's Amazon, there's Netflix, there's all these different platforms that are all looking to acquire content and the NFL has content to spare. But I ask you, when you announce that you're, and you're Roger Goodell and you say that the NFL, we are the NFL, we are the NF freaking L and we want to sell the following five things, what do you need Goldman Sachs for? You're going to pay them a huge, huge fee to do that if you had the right people internally, you could do yourself for way cheaper. But Goldman Sachs makes a living, as do other investment banks, by telling people who are business owners that they can offer a service that internally can't be done. And they'd be lying. 
because internally you can identify as many buyers as you want. You can prepare the due diligence room, which is just all the documents, all the papers. You can prepare the books that are required to show to potential buyers. But it's not as though you're putting together a marketing brochure where you need marketing expertise or your finances brochure. You've got your financial documents. It's not as though you have to explain your property. So you hire someone to write prose to tell you what it is. And for all the investment bankers out there, you're going to be pissed, but they all hate me anyway, because I did all these transactions in baseball without hiring any of them, including getting a TV deal which was never signed by the current ownership, but I didn't hire someone to represent me in a room to negotiate a TV deal. I brought Conine and Hill and did it myself. Don't forget Loyello brought him too. So Roger Goodell is hiring Goldman Sachs. That's not interesting. What's interesting is who's going to buy it and why are they selling it? What the NFL is claiming that they are selling off the NFL red zone and the NFL network, they're not going to sell control. They want to bring in a minority partner. They want to bring in capital so they can expand. What they're really saying is they want the expertise of an acquirer of a company like an Amazon, someone who is in the business of creating content, of, of engaging with fans and with buyers from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to sleep, apropos of what we talked about with the movie of the day and with all the buying that I do on Instagram, et cetera. The NFL is recognizing they need a strategic partnership. You don't need to hire an investment bank to know that. I credit the NFL for realizing and understanding correctly so that a strategic partnership with their media and digital assets will be brilliant. It's something that all the leagues should, will do. Roger Goodell, though, was questioned, is he doing this for money? This is my favorite part of Coke of the whole conversation that Roger Goodell had when it came out that they were looking at selling the same day that it came out, what was happening with the combine. Do you know what the combine is? That's where a bunch of college players go and they, they jump and hit a stick and they run 40 yards and they lift weights and they grunt and they groan and they growl and they catch balls and then they're signed. I guess that's how it works. The combine has become a huge thing. CBS Sports HQ goes live there for seven weeks of the year because it's football. Why wouldn't you? And that's not me being bitter. That's just me being accurately reflective of what people want to see or what the perception is of management that they want to see. And the combine is always in Indianapolis. And Roger Goodell said, wait a minute. I don't want to put in Indianapolis every year. Let's put this thing up for bid. Let's try to spread the love around the country, maybe internationally. Roger Goodell is on it. You don't keep your jewel event in the same place every year unless you're forced to, like the Indianapolis 500 or the Kentucky Derby. The NFL is not forced to in any way. Of course, the combine is going to move from city to city. Of course, they're going to move Super Bowls around from city to city, even though cold weather Super Bowls totally suck and no one wants that. Of course, they want to find strategic partnerships because they want to grow their business. It all makes sense to me. How does it not make sense to you? Roger Goodell looked at those bankers at Goldman Sachs and he looked at potential buyers of his assets and he looked at potential bidders of the combine. Then he looked at you, the fan, and he winked. It's just business. It's nothing personal. 
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.